Greetings, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Calvin Williams, licensed professional counselor, and you are listening to The Counselor's Couch. Welcome to Episode 10. You know, this is a hallmark for me. I know it's not the 100th episode, but, you know, I'm on my way, and I've really enjoyed working on this podcast. I've been pleasantly surprised by the acceptance and the interest that I've received from listeners like you, and I want to let you know how grateful I am for you. I've had episodes downloaded from Australia, Sweden, Italy, Malaysia, Canada, and coast to coast in the United States. Thanks to you all. I'd like to encourage you again to please leave a review on whatever format you use, Apple, Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google, and recently I was added to Amazon. You know, I know it's just a little thing, but it was kind of fun when I came home and I asked Alexa to play the Counselor's Couch podcast And she did it. You know, it is the little things that easily amuse me. But your comments and your reviews help us to improve the show. So I want to thank you in advance. You guys really do rock. Again, before we get started, let me remind you that nothing provided in this podcast implies a therapeutic relationship between counselor and client. It is solely for education and entertainment. Counseling can help you overcome challenges, enhance your relationships, and develop skills to lead the life you want. If you are considering therapy, then please reach out to a trained, licensed professional in your community. If you're interested in seeking counseling in the Monroe, Louisiana area, or if you live anywhere in Louisiana and you are interested in participating in teletherapy with state-approved providers, then contact us here at HealthPoint Center. Change starts here. Psychological and Counseling Services. HealthPoint is a collaboration of independent professionals who are dedicated to improving your quality of life and guiding you on a positive path toward change. That's Health Point Center, located at 1818 Avenue of America, Monroe, Louisiana. Call today to inquire about services, providers, or book an appointment at area code 318-998-2700. Well, it's that time again, so pull up a cushion, kick off your shoes, and grab a cup of coffee. Let's get started with the session. You know, Over the years, I've been accused of many things, and I've been referred to as many things, some not always flattering. However, one thing that I have embraced wholeheartedly is that I am simple. Now, I don't mean it in a derogatory way, as in being a simpleton or simple-minded. And if you were to ask my wife, she would tell you I can be high-maintenance, or what I consider having specific tastes for quality. What I'm referring to is that I like to keep things simple for my own sake. And I've found that many of my clients appreciate my approach to life with this manner. I believe that simplicity is the product of genius. The simpler you keep things, the smarter you are. This became my personal motto years ago, and I can't really even remember when I fully embraced it. Perhaps it was at a moment when I complicated the hell out of something as I have a habit of doing. Now let me be clear about something. Just because something is simple, does not mean it is easy. Simple refers to something that's not complex, whereas easy refers to something that is not difficult. They really are two different things, and I think we tend to mix them up from time to time. That's probably something that I've picked up working with the recovery community over the past 20 years. In the program of Narcotics Anonymous, it was often said that getting clean was simple. Just don't drink or drug and do the next right thing. Sounds simple. It isn't very complex, 
but it's not easy. In fact, it can be extremely difficult. I've always appreciated writers and professionals that share my belief in simplicity. In fact, I appreciated the age-old joke my doctor threw at me a few years ago. I was pressing on my knee to show him where I felt the pain, and I said, it hurts right here when I push here. Of course, his response was, well, don't push there. That's years of medical school training for you right there. But you know, sometimes it can be that simple. Of course, I'm not talking about denying a complicated injury or mental health issue. I'm advocating for trying not to complicate things by overthinking. For instance, today we're going to explore problem solving, or what I refer to as problem solving one, two, three. We all face problems every day of our life. They really don't seem to be going away anytime soon. In fact, God never said that we wouldn't have trials and tribulations in this life. So, it's important that we learn how to cope and overcome by problem solving. In fact, preparing for this particular episode, I ran into a problem. A technical difficulty, if you will. I usually prepare my notes in a rough script in preparation for recording. It just kind of makes it easier to not lose track of my thoughts, which can easily happen for me. Those that know me know that I can easily get distracted by shiny objects. Well, I had a crash of sorts and lost everything. No backup either. I was not a happy camper. But what do you do? Now, I know this has happened to many of you out there listening, and I'm not looking for technical assistance. I actually know where I went wrong. I just thought it was really kind of funny that I was about to record an episode on problem solving, and, well, I created a problem. I mean, go figure. I want to start this journey by letting you in on the hardline fact that we are all problem solvers. It's in our DNA. It's actually what has allowed us as human beings to continue our existence throughout history. We problem solve. It's why we're not extinct. We problem solve shelter. We make fire. We hunt. We gather. It's what we do. You are a problem solver. Interesting enough, Mark Manson in his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is a great read and not really about what you might think. He writes that happiness is not really that warm, fuzzy feeling that we all seek. Rather, happiness is problem solving. And if you're not problem solving, then you're either in denial that you have problems or you're blaming other people for your problems. I mean, think about it. People often think that doing a particular activity makes them happy. For example, oh, I'm so happy when I'm working, so work must make me happy. Is it really work that's making you happy or the fact that you're more comfortable with problem solving in the work venue than other parts of your life? Or maybe you hear people say, oh, I'm so happy when I'm with my friends. Well, then it's likely that you have good problem solving skills when it comes to relationships. You know, I could go on with examples, but I think you get my point. Happiness is problem solving, and you are hardwired to problem solve. There's actually no difference in you from your work environment than there is when you're with your friends. You are the exact same person. The difference lies in your ability and comfort problem solving in each of these venues. Imagine if we can embrace our problem solving abilities and apply it throughout the multitude of areas in our life. Wow. Now, that really is something to think about. I mean, sit with that for a minute and just let it soak in. 
Could we possibly navigate problem-solving throughout the full spectrum of the life that we enjoy? Well, sure you can, if you know what you're doing. The ability to solve problems is a basic life skill and is essential to our daily lives. We solve problems every day without really even thinking about how we do it. For example, it's raining and you need to go to the store. Well, what do you do? There are lots of possible solutions. Take your umbrella and walk. If you don't want to get wet, you can drive or take the bus. You might decide to call a friend for a ride, or you might decide to go to the store on another day. There's no right way to solve this problem, and different people will solve it differently. Problem solving can be as simple as one, two, three, or problem solving in three simple steps. Step one, you must believe there's a problem. Step two, you must believe there's a solution. And step three, you must be willing to apply the solution. That's it, folks. Problem solving one, two, three. Sounds simple, right? It's not very complex, but if it's so simple, how come we're not all master problem solvers? Because it's not easy. It's difficult. And we as human beings have a tendency to complicate the crap out of simple things. You know you do. Don't try and deny it. How many times have you said, that just sounds too simple, and then you proceed to pick it apart just to find a problem? We all do it. I accept it. I own it and I am self-aware, which gives me the option of doing something different. The ability to solve problems is a skill. And just like any other skill, the more you practice, the better you get. But just for the fun of it, let's look at how we can complicate this simple process. Before we get started on the steps, let's look at how somebody actually comes to believe in something. Have you ever considered that question? Probably not outside of therapy or personal development work. So what does it actually mean? In this case, to believe means to accept something as true. Well, that's interesting. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, then you know that acceptance is not an easy thing. It's often something that we struggle with, something we resist, and something we even avoid, let alone accepting something as truth. I mean, whose truth? Mine? Yours? Or someone else's? So how do we come to believe in something? Is it an act of faith? Do we touch it, taste it, smell it, use it, lose it, break it, buy it, steal it, hide it, or practice it? Well, the answer is probably yes. At least it's the best one I can think of at the moment. I guess to be a little clearer, I think we must practice it, experience it, and even struggle with it to truly believe in something. So how does this translate into problem solving? Step one, believe there is a problem. Again, this sounds simple, but it may not be easy. To believe there's a problem starts with problem identification. I can't tell you how many times people have come into therapy with an idea of what the problem is, only to reveal it was something deeper. We tend to focus on the symptoms of a problem initially, which can be a distraction from what's really troubling us. It's kind of like the iceberg theory. When you look at an iceberg from the surface, it looks enormous. However, the largest part of it lies beneath the surface. When identifying the problem, it's important to take time to evaluate and assess the situation before acting. 
it may be helpful to reach out for assistance at this time. In therapy, we try to help people clearly verbalize the problem or how something is a problem for you. Think about problems within relationships. Something may be a problem for you, but does your spouse see it in the same way? Rather than accept that when something is a problem for one, it's a problem for both, many couples tend to assign blame or fault, which allows them an opportunity to avoid responsibility. The problem does belong to both of them, but the intensity of the problem may vary for each person. Leaning into the commitment of the relationship is a key to problem solving together. If something is a problem for my wife, then naturally it's a problem for me as well. We just may not be impacted or affected in the same way. It's not a comparison or a competition, but rather it leads to a compromise. Communicating how something is a problem for you is an important step to clearly identifying the problem. Oftentimes, as we explore the symptoms of a problem, we experience what I call problem evolution, which may reveal multiple other problems that will eventually require our attention. You have to be careful which one you focus on because when you chase two rabbits, you lose them both. When looking at a multitude of problems, consider a real simple approach. Which one is making the most noise at this moment? And that's where you start. Another helpful hint during this step is to avoid opinions. Focus on the facts of a situation. You also want to avoid mind reading. I mean, if you really have that power, then use it to find the lottery numbers and not what your partner thinks about your meatloaf. It may take some time to clearly identify the problem and verbalize it to others, but it is so important to the process. It can make or break your progress towards finding a resolution. There's nothing more frustrating than working on something and spending time fixing a part that really didn't need fixing. Trust me, you will know if you're working on something that's not the problem because, well, you'll keep having the problem. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. It's often why couples tend to have the same argument for years. The topic may change, but the argument is the same because we never found a resolution to it the first time, which brings us to step two. Step two, believe there is a solution. I believe that every problem has a solution. Sometimes they just may not have been invented yet. But it's true. There is a solution somewhere, someplace. Have hope. Now, the solution to a problem may not be what we expect. I remember when my son was younger and he would get so frustrated playing video games. You would hear him screaming at the screen because he couldn't reach the next goal or the next level. Of course, this was an opportunity to turn it into a teaching moment. I would tell him that sometimes you have to step back from the game and relax in order to let the brain process the problem correctly. The designers of the game created a solution for the level. You just haven't found it yet. But you will. Just try something different. If you can't think of something different, then step back and look at it from another angle. Perspective is key in finding appropriate solutions. Visualize the outcome that you want. What does your solution look like in real time? You must be open-minded during this step or 
you will limit your resources. You know, I have one way of doing things, and that's my way. My way is not always right. Now, it took me quite a few years to own that statement, but I can also say it's not always wrong. But why would I limit myself to just my way? Today, I'm open to other resources. I'm open to my wife's way, God's way, my son's way. I'm willing to hear them all. Now, I will still ultimately decide on what course of action I will take because that's my responsibility. But why limit the flavors to vanilla when there are so many more? When identifying solutions, you want to remain grounded in reality and avoid irrational choices. Is the outcome realistic? Are my expectations realistic? You know, early on in my career, I worked in an administrative role with a boss that I affectionately referred to as the big dog. She had a unique influence on the way I developed problem-solving skills. We all understood that you never came to her with a problem without developing at least two solutions of strategies that you wanted to use to address it. She would quickly send you back to your office to problem-solve before she would even add any of her direction. It was kind of a, you know, teach a man to fish thing, if you know what I mean. Now, she would ultimately help you find the best solution. She just wouldn't give it to you. And I'm grateful for that. Of course, I was always a little bit of a problem child, so I would bring in unrealistic or irrational solutions. Like the time I wanted to fire everybody under me. I loved the way that she would walk me through my scenario. So, who's going to do all the work when you fire everyone? What about the people that don't really deserve to be fired? Will this impact client care? And so on, and so on, and so on. In a polite way, she was telling me to think it through, which I continue to do today. A shout out to the big dog. Thanks. Another thing to remember is that solutions may adjust as we move forward in the process, or what I refer to as solutional growth. It's an expansion of resources or options as we take action steps. It doesn't mean our initial solution was not effective. It means we now have new information to add into the process for fine-tuning. You may also want to postpone the selection of one solution until several problem-solving alternatives have been proposed. Considering multiple alternatives can significantly enhance the value of your ideal solution. Once you've visualized an outcome, this standard becomes the basis for developing a roadmap for exploring alternative solutions. Many alternative solutions to the problem should be generated before final evaluation. A common mistake that we often make in problem solving is that alternatives are evaluated as they are proposed. So the first acceptable solution is chosen, even if it's not the best fit. If we focus on trying to get the results we want, we miss the potential for learning something new that will allow for real improvement in the problem-solving process. Skilled problem solvers consider the extent to which a particular solution will solve the problem without causing other unanticipated problems. They consider if all individuals involved will accept the solution and whether or not implementation of the solution is likely. You know, you can have the greatest solution to any problem, but if you're not willing or open to it, what good is it? It's kind of like my home gym equipment sitting there acting like a glorified clothes rack. It does no good unless you use it. Which brings us to step three. Step three 
is being willing to apply the solution. Willingness refers to the quality or state of being prepared to do something. It's a readiness. At this step, if you've done a thorough job with the previous steps, it's likely that you're ready to apply the solution. We are open to the idea of solutional growth as we venture forward, which allows us opportunity for feedback as we implement our solution. During this step, self-awareness is very important because we often struggle with want versus need. The solution we want may not be the solution we need, and the solution we need may not be the one we want. (laughs) Wow. Now that's a statement, so let me repeat it. The solution we want may not be the solution we need, and the solution we need may not be the solution we want. Self-awareness helps us sort this one out and find compromise when working with others. Do I want to be right or do I want to solve a problem? One thing that tends to complicate this step is what I refer to as immediate gratification syndrome. We want a quick response and outcome. Many of us struggle with wanting what we want when we want it, only to find out that we get what we get when we get it. Immediate gratification and problem solving can be a dangerous combination. Because we want a quick fix, we may not consider all the available options as discussed in the previous step. So we pick the quick one and we put a Band-Aid over a bleeding wound. To be honest, I've trusted duct tape with a lot of things in my lifetime, but it really isn't a permanent solution to a problem. It just may get me down the road a little bit further. We haven't really solved anything. Willingness is a key to problem solving. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to address your problem? Now, this is an interesting question that we must all reflect on during this process. Many people want to have the corner office. They want to change their life, have a healthier relationship, or even be self-employed. But are you willing to dedicate the time, miss the vacations, live on a budget, compromise, die to self, or even go to the gym to do it? Be honest with yourself. When applying the solutions, and you're more likely to reach the outcome you truly are seeking. When you're in the midst of a problem, you just want it to go away quickly. But effective problem solvers also want to resolve it in as little time as possible because they have other responsibilities, like things to do. Whatever the urgency, effective problem solvers have the self-discipline to develop a complete description of the problem, identify viable solutions, and are aware of their limitations regarding what they're really willing to do. You have the ability. Remember, you are hardwired to problem solve. So there you have it, three simple steps to problem solving and an abundance of ways that we can complicate the hell out of it. Not to mention that you sprinkle a healthy dose of frustration, hurt from past issues, and anxiety about the future, just make it a little bit spicier. But I promise you, it can get better. Embrace the fact that problems are a normal part of the human experience. They're not failures. They are learning opportunities and teaching moments. You are hardwired to problem solve. It's in your DNA. And embrace the idea that problem solving is a skill. And like all good skills, it must be practiced and developed. Before you know it, you'll have it down. After all, it's just as simple as one, two, three. Well, it seems as though we've reached the end of our session today. 
And again, I want to tell you how grateful I am that you choose to spend this time with me. You know, as we move forward this week, I want you to reflect on your tendency to complicate issues in your life. Do you overthink or overanalyze? What keeps you from embracing the belief that simplicity is the product of genius? I encourage you to reflect on the three steps of problem solving. Step one, believe there's a problem. Step two, believe there's a solution. And step three, be willing to apply the solution. Put pencil to paper as you go through the steps. Write down your perception of the problem. Generate multiple solutions and pick one you're willing to apply. Remember, you are a problem solver. Today, I want to leave you with a quote from President Theodore Roosevelt. Complaining about a problem without posing a solution is called whining. One more, Albert Einstein. No problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. Remember, folks, you're not alone. Live intentionally, love daily, and laugh often. Don't forget, new episodes drop each week, so please subscribe and follow me. And leave a review. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, you can email them directly to calvin at calvincwilliamslpc.com or you can reach me on Facebook at Williams Professional Counseling Services, LLC. You can even check out my website at www.calvincwilliamslpc.com. You know, I always look forward to hearing from listeners, so please feel free to submit topics of interest, comments, or questions. Thanks again for stopping by. And remember, there's always room for you on the Counselor's Couch.